I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sandspence Radio. Light a fire to stay warm for a night or light yourself on fire. Stay warm forever. Do you find yourself lacking an identity? Maybe you enjoy a Star War, the works of Joss Whedon, or just consider yourself a gamer, but lack the necessary means to tell the world that I am these things and these little trinkets scattered around my house to validate my, what you're calling, lifestyle choices. Then do we have the solution for you? LootCrate.com slash LetMeDie. Fill that empty void in your life with a bobblehead of your favourite game, comic book, or film character. We might not have historical figures, but boy, do we have a Pip-Boy. Sure, it won't hold you at night or reassure you when things go bad, but looking into its cold, dead eyes as it bobbles back and forth will certainly remind you that, yes, I am a fan of this thing. So go to lootcrate.com slash letmedie and use the coupon code LETMEDIE on checkout to get a couple of dollars off your first subscription. Loot Crate, life is meaningless, so go spend it on stuff you enjoy. Welcome to this week's episode of Movie Maintenance, where we're rounding out our Harry Potter Wizarding World anthology series with my take on a Pixar-style animated Harry Potter film. The smoothest of introductions. <laughs> <laughs> so we saved the best for last, clearly. Um, we absolutely did. So, uh, full disclosure... Yeah, everybody listening. We have all just eaten quite a lot of food, mm. and I am not doing great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I apologize, Carney. If at certain points during the episode, I interrupt your pitch by going, "Oh, <laughs> it's not you excited at the pitch. It's like the the food kicking in." Yeah, there was uh, there was kebabs. I I don't remember. It's all a blur. There was a lot of chips. The, bel- of the chips. belt is off. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm gonna hold that in. Okay. <laughs> we all want to go and change into tracksuit pants or something. Sounds pretty good. I'll, yeah. I'll get some PJs, maybe. So, yeah, if you can hear, like, a fly and zipping and belt unbuckling, that's me. Speaking that would... of flies, segue here. Oh. Except I made it awkward by saying segue. <laughs> uh, my movie's called Fly Home. Oh. Um, that's a gorgeous title. Thank you, mate. It's a Pixar, like, you know, Pixar Disney animated style mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. set in J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter world. Like all of your guys, all your pictures, though, it's not, you know, it's not Harry Potter per se. It's mm-hmm. just something that exists in that world. This one focuses on Patronuses and basically what I'm doing, it's going to take just a little bit of a leap at the start. Imagine there is a world called Expecto that exists sort of just next to J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World Mm -hmm. and that's where all the Patronuses live. When you say next to, you mean like... In parallel with it, like it's... Within it or... It's within our earthly realm or is it like a... No, it's kind of of a bit to the side. It's like an alternate or... A little bit... Off. Yeah, so you've got like the Take circular, you've got the circular <laughs> globe world, and then like a little thing next to it. <laughs> it makes sense. I it. swear. Yeah. Let's um, just take another pause here for a second. When did you start chewing something? No, I was just chewing like <laughs> a- awkwardly because you guys weren't getting it. And I'm like, oh, I'm dosh. Yeah. I wish I had some gum right now. Nah, so like imagine. I you like slipped like a hard candy into your mouth and we weren't looking at <laughs> it. I didn't share. And you're just sucking away at it. 
<laughs> now, so imagine, um, think back to like Harry Potter 3 when Harry's learning the Expecto Patronum spell yeah. mm-hmm. and he's trying to summon it. Mm-hmm. And imagine that somewhere in a world that is just next to this world, mm-hmm. there are Patronuses, a bunch of animals in like, you know, Patronus form flying mm-hmm. around and doing all sorts of things, living their own lives. And they're all linked to a witch or wizard. Mm-hmm. And when they get summoned with an Expecto Patronum spell, they get sucked out of their world and come out through the wand of the wizard or the witch and cool. face a Dementor and face the fear and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the gist of it. Got so it. every Patronus that lives in this world of Expecto sort of dedicates their life to training to be the best Patronus they can be so that they are absolutely ready when the time comes and they are summoned through to the world. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine like scenes where Harry's first learning the spell and it just sort of shoots out silver spurts, mm-hmm. it's not Harry's fault. That's like his shitty stag Patronus <laughs> that isn't like is not ready, hasn't trained properly and hasn't come through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? Cool. Well, I mean, what's your Patronus? Should we talk about our Patronuses oh, now that the tests come yeah. out? Because you know, because you, you, you know what mine is. I got a magpie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, I hate magpies. They got nothing to do with my personality or anything. Slytherin, I do. Yeah, but you're magpie. like beak like, and you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're constantly stealing silver shit, and you're swooping me all the time. Yeah. Fair enough. Plus you, you, are, poop you are like a big champion. champion. You do sweep up. I swoop. Yeah. Okay. Fine. At least, what did you get? Um, I'm a dolphin. So that's a cool one. I think it's quite majestic. It's pretty good. Um, it's pretty so impractical. Kind of pointing out about like the sexual harassment of dolphins. Well, they're, they're that, rapists. Yeah. 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 So I was like, yeah. Ugh, you could be a psychopath. So cool. <laughs> Let's that's just so cool. push that to the side. Goose, what'd you get? I'm quietly scrolling through my Twitter so I can remember what it was because okay, I posted cool. it here. Cool. And Damo, you were too cool to do the test. Oh, so cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> you did it, didn't you? No, I haven't done it. No, uh, uh, my excuse is I want to get Nick Offerman as my Patronus, and I don't know if that's an option. So I'm just, I'm just steering clear. It's probably not an option. I also really, I really don't want to get a magpie. I like, well, I don't know if I could live with the shame of that. It may not be the worst case scenario because mine was a pine martin. What? That, what is that? that? It's like a type of weasel. <laughs> <laughs> so in accurate. my defense, they are very cute. Okay. I thought what? it was going to be a type of pine cone, so that's that's better than that. I heard I had a friend told me that they did it and got a mole, Ooh. and so they did it again and got a mole. <laughs> Are they from 1970? They even tried to rig it. And JK's yeah. like, nah, man, you're, you're a mole. I'm going to do it again, but I know I'll just get a magpie. It's like when I keep getting Hufflepuff in the, in the house. <laughs> you thing. just got to embrace it. Yeah. No, I've embraced Hufflepuff. I'm going to embrace the magpie. I'm okay with it. Okay. It's no, it's no, it's no problem. It's as long fine. as they're stopping like... Dementors, they're doing just fine. I just got a very vivid image of you, Connie, grabbing a magpie and just hugging it and it just being like, no, no, please. Just pecking Let me my go. eyes out. Clawing the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really like the quiz because, I mean, when you do the house one, there's heaps of questions that mm. seems to go on mm. forever. It's pretty extensive. Sure. This Patronus one is like five questions you don't feel and they're like vague, weird ones and it's just, I don't know. I do not know. Hmm. But what, what what questions would you ask to figure out a Patronus? No idea. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know. I probably wouldn't make the quiz. Yeah, yeah like, fair Take enough. a rolling. You've got enough money, mate. Just, no, you just, just cast a spell and you'll find out who jumps over from Expecto. Exactly. Yeah. What did you think your Patronuses would be? Like you must have had an idea. Like okay, uh, the books, like what you'd want. A sloth? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'd like a lion. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> might have seen Gryffindor. The Hufflepuff wants a lion. Okay. Yeah, no. Nah, okay. yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Or a shark, or, you know. I mean, know um, your place, but whatever. Maybe like a griffin, or. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought maybe even a snake, but. Yeah. A magpie. 
I don't have any affinity with Magpies. I've never liked no. it. I didn't even know they could be a Patronus, to be perfectly honest. No, because no one would note in the book. Does anyone know of anyone who got like a cool one, like a lion? Or no, a I'm coming to one who's got one. Sorry, sorry, of course. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dalton. The old aquatic rapist over there. <laughs> Coolest of cools. But no, like, did, does anyone know anyone who's got a stag? You get a lion. Some people can get a hippogriff. Like, you can oh, get yeah. magical yeah. creatures. You're having a good day if you get a hippogriff. A fox would have been good. I saw someone would like a fox. would be nice. I'm going to have to do it. I want a dingo. I'm going to have to find out. What do you expect you'll get? Like, yeah. what animals in your soul? Your people are getting salmon. I see, like, like that. I mean, oh, you can't come back from that. Could be worse. It could be a pine. What was it? What are you pine got? Martin. Pine, pine Martin. Martin. Pretty sure. <laughs> they are the cutest assassins in the animal kingdom, Yeah, they're kind of like the Pete's dragon of Patronus. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we open on a lake. Its waters are calm. Uh, music uh, slowly starts building as a shadow, dim at first but then stronger, begins to move across the water. Then we hear the flapping of wings and it roars into view. Silvery wisps follow it. Then we look up and see silver, fiery wings fully outstretched. It's a silver phoenix. We follow the phoenix as it skims the top of the water and then loops higher and higher in the air. We're hot on its heels as it leaves the lake, sweeps in and out of trees in a forest and glides up a mountain, eventually revealing a giant city in the valley below. This is the city of Expecto, populated entirely by Patronuses. The design and architecture are a real mishmash of conflicting styles. You've got hulking skyscrapers, medieval castles, corrugated sheds, igloos, and even an active volcano housing some of the more fiery Patronuses. And they are everywhere, spread out all across the city. Birds and dogs and cats and rats and dolphins and lions and elephants and on and on it goes. And pine martins. And pine martins. There's maybe one of them like, in the corner or something getting bullied by the school kids. You'll oh, notice... my God, it's so accurate. <laughs> He's got like a nice beard too. It's great. Um, oh. We'll notice that some of the animals have that silvery look of a Patronus while others have retained their original colours. As the phoenix swoops down amongst the streets, we see many of the other Patronuses look up at him. They smile and wave, some even cheer. It's clear that this phoenix is popular. Just as the phoenix is halfway through a routine of showboaty twirls, its silver skin begins to glow brighter and brighter. It sort of rolls its eyes as if, oh, here we go again. And the crowd of Patronuses below can see the glowing, and they go into a frenzy of cheering like a sports crowd. And then the phoenix vanishes in a burst of light. Darkness for several moments. And then a silvery light works its way up a long, dark tunnel, closer and closer to a light at the end, and then bursts forth out of a wand and into the real world, into the wizarding world. Heavy rain lashes down and we can hear crowd noises, but different from the cheers of his fellow Patronuses before. No, the phoenix hears terrified screams. He spreads his wings and glides out into the open, his silver glow lighting up the drab crowd of onlookers. They are children, school children, dressed in the house colours of Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. Their eyes are glued to the lightning-streaked skies above as something plummets to the ground. It's a person. Faster and faster, he's going to smash into the ground. But then he slows dramatically and lands on the ground like a fallen feather. And then the phoenix is confronted with the danger he's well prepared for. Half a dozen Dementors of Azkaban circle the fallen body like sharks. Their mutilated bodies shielded by long, flowing black cloaks. The phoenix springs to action, beckoned on by the calls of his wizard, who we now see is none other than Albus Dumbledore in all his animated Ooh. glory. And, of course, the phoenix is Forks. Uh, I've just assumed that in real life he's got the phoenix Forks. His Patronus is also a phoenix. I'm sure. just calling it Forks. Okay, well. yeah. yeah. Dumbledore's face is contorted into the kind of rage we only you know, read a handful of times in the books. He's in you know, full-on, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire mode? <laughs> 
Dumbledore uses his wand to guide Fawkes as he charges at the Dementors and dispatches them with all the power and confidence of a Patronus who knows what he's doing. As the last Dementor disappears into the night, Fawkes nods his head in satisfaction before swooping majestically through the air once more and flying directly back into the end of the wand and back into the city of Expecto, where a waiting crowd erupt in celebration as their most famous hero returns. And that's the opener. Can they um, can they like see what he's doing? Somehow? No, I think like I always imagine it. Um, I say I always imagine it like it's been this thing that's been <laughs> yeah, forever. Yeah. Um, I picture it as like they start to glow, they mm. get sucked into the world, and everyone's like, "Oh shit! Oh, they're yeah, fighting yeah, dementors!" They're off, yeah. And then like you just have to wait anxiously, and it's like maybe he was gone for okay. a minute just then, and they're like, yeah. oh, and they're all just waiting, and then he poof, he's back, he's back, yeah, he's back. He okay, saved the so, day or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that I don't know. If you guys picked up, that's the moment in book three when yeah. Harry falls off the broom. And oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got like a subtitle on the screen. Uh, of course, we have the title. So Fly Home comes on the screen and then we see 25 years later. Shit. Yeah. Groovy. A massive bronze statue in the centre of the city. It's a statue of Forks. These wings spread wide looking glorious. He's now dead. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I imagine when Dumbledore dies, he just dies. Yeah, yeah. 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 I so I, I mean, you could have like, <laughs> in my mind, you can have fun with it in this world where like <laughs> Forks could be like talking to his son, and all of a sudden, just dead because Dumbledore <laughs> died. Dumbledore fell off the building, and he's dead, and so Forks is dead in the, in the <laughs> land of Expecto. Okay, that's all it takes. Uh, so the streets busy. There's Patronus is going to and fro. Some younger ones stand with their parents. They look up at Forks, at the statue with a mix of pride and awe. One says, "When I grow up, I'm going to be just as good as Forks." Another one says, "The Dementors will be just as afraid of me." And another's like, "I want to be like him." Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The crowd disperses a little, and we see a small Patronus standing at the back. He's a tiny phoenix with short, stunted wings and a cute, pudgy face. He's not silver like a proper Patronus, but red, orange, and yellow. His name is Frills. He looks up at the statue of his late father and we see this look of determination on his face, this little nod to himself. Frills turns and begins to walk the streets through the vast crowds. We hold on this shot as the towering presence of his dad is behind him um, as he walks amongst the crowd. He's getting pushed and shoved and bumped out of the way. It's clear that he's very small and not that important. Some groups of Patronuses move past him and say hi and quickly start giggling. Others yell out, hey, it's no Frills and laugh. He's the butt of jokes, like every joke. As Frills walks through the city, we'll get a bit more of an idea of the social hierarchy of the place. Uh, we'll see many Patronuses just like him who still retain their normal colours, and then many more who are silver who are silver because they're like proper they're like a proper corporal Patronus. The silver ones tend to look more impressive and usually have like a gaggle of admirers following them around. They can often be heard recounting tales of how they fought off Dementors. Every so often, we'll hear one reference how they may even be as good as Forks or some other you know famous ones. Like there'll be like a stag, which is Harry's mind yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. We'll notice, actually, I've got the stag here. We'll notice an impressive stag Patronus with hundreds of followers. He looks down his nose and shakes his head at the passing frills. He's an arrogant dick. (laughs) (laughs) Does does that mean, like, would would Voldemort have a Patronus? See, I don't know about that because the Patronus, I think Lupin mentions that it's, it's, yeah, like, Voldemort wouldn't be able to conjure one, I don't think. You never see any of the dark wizards have one, do you? Uh, Umbridge has one. Yeah, she has a cat, doesn't she? Mm. God, be one but she's very happy. Like she's evil <laughs> and quite happy about it. Yeah, but everyone <laughs> yeah. a bit evil and a bit like, oh, <laughs> right. I know she I'm a dick. Like, oh, a... remember when I was torturing yeah. those kids? Yeah. Happy memory. Yeah. 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 She's the only evil character that has one. Yeah. From, from memory. Uh, Snape, but yeah, that's Snape. Snape's lying. Suppose if you don't have a soul, there's nothing for the Patronuses to suck out of you. How did anyway? Dumbledore have a Patronus then? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, chill out. It pained me to put him in here, but I just, you know. Because you love him so much. I, I, I needed the Phoenix. So, yeah. You know, yeah. 
Uh, some of the Patronuses also have this uh, sort of half-half appearance. That's because they've been dragged through the wizarding world by a by an Expecto Patronum, but they weren't ready, you know, like I said before. Hmm. The spell didn't work properly. So when they come back, um, they're kind of like half-half and they're like they're misfits in the community. They're like laughing stocks. Mm. You come back, it's like, oh, you weren't ready or, you know, that sort of thing. Can can they evolve to the fully fledged? Yeah, like they can still because I imagine like that's what the stag would have, Harry Stag would have originally right, come back first, when he was younger yeah, as like yeah. a sort of half and half. And mm. Everyone would have gone, oh, he couldn't even, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, they can, they can finish that later. Yeah. So this is a community that has the utmost respect for success. So anything less is really frowned upon, hence part of the reason why nobody likes frills. He's just never lived up to this enormous image and reputation of his dad. And he seems unlikely to ever do so. So Frills arrives at this large and impressive-looking building called Patronus Operation Objectives Program, whose acronym is POOP. (laughs) Inside is set up much like a gym. Uh, We see there's about 20 Patronuses. All of them still have their original colours, so they're in training still. Mm -hmm. They're gathered around this really ancient-looking silver dingo Patronus. We'll just call him Coach Dingus. (laughs) He's old school. Um, I imagine, like, so the world of Expecto... Just because we're in Australia and it's easy, they're all they're all Aussies. They're all kind of got like okay. those bogan Aussie accents. So Coach Dingus is pretty old, and he said, "All right, I just want to apologise for the logo again." And we see the poop logo. It's on his shirt. It's printed everywhere. <laughs> it's on all the stationery. A bit of an oversight on my part, but we're working on a new one. Just then, Frills bursts into the room. He's late. He knocks something over. He coughs nervously, like he always does. I figure this is like his little nervous tick, but it's also partly to do with the fact that he's a phoenix and I assume he's like on right. fire. He's on fire. Yeah. He's, like smoking. Yeah. He's, like, <coughs> he's always like coughing up. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Dinger shakes his head and he's like, always late, Frills. Every damn day, boy. We can hear some of the students muttering to each other. They're kind of laughing behind their hands like, oh, no frills, no frills. <laughs> frills coughs nervously. He's like, oh, sorry, Coach. Won't happen again. The whole room bursts into laughter. After a while, Coach Dingus quiets them. But then he starts to glow and he's getting, uh, he's already silver, but he's getting even brighter and brighter and brighter. He's like, oh, God damn it. He says as he suddenly disappears, he's been sucked into the wizarding world by his <laughs> wizard. The students wait with bated breath. They're all really excited. Mm. About 30 seconds pass, then the coach reappears to like wild applause and mm. he tells them that it was nothing to worry about. It's just a minor scrape with 10 dementors. And they're all just like, oh, what a badass. <laughs> now we get some background on what the Poop Academy is. <laughs> Uh, it's a training ground for every single Patronus in the land of Expecto. Coach Dingus has been training everyone since basically forever. He's so old. He talks about what it takes to be a great corporal Patronus and how many can just fail and sort of splutter along through life like the silvery wisps of a wizard's wand. He says that some aren't suited to a life of, <laughs> says that some aren't suited to a life of fighting dementors because that's what it's all about. It's about fear and overcoming your greatest fears. Only then can you be ready to graduate and be ready to be pulled into the wizarding world at a moment's notice and face evil. He says, because kids, courage in the face of evil, well, that's what poop's all about. Again, we're working on the name. What's our number one rule for a graduated Patronus in the wizarding world? Huh? What's rule number one? And they're all like, do we have to go over this again, coach? That's uh, Terry the Turtle asking that. <laughs> and he's like, hell yeah, we do. We go over it again and again and again until it's so ingrained in your heads that you never forget. What's the number one rule in the wizarding world? And then all together they go, never speak to a witch or wizard. Once again, like you mean it. Never speak to a witch or wizard. And then Frills sort of coughs. There's a little nervous thing. Like, oh, Coach Dingus, um, why can't we speak to the wizard or witch? Because like, we get in, we do our job, and then we get out. There's no time for any other tomfoolery. We're not movie stars, Frills. We're Patronuses. It's that clear. Frills nods. Coach Dingus goes on to explain the final tests, like the graduation test is coming. It's around the corner. 
it's like kind of like this rites of passage thing that every budding Patronus does. They journey via a port key to this place called Bogart Island, an island entirely populated by, you guessed it, Bogarts, who, if you guys have forgotten, um, it's the creature from the third book that Lupin teaches the mm-hmm. kids to use the ridiculous charm on. They take on the shape of your greatest fear. So it's the mission of a Patronus to face a Bogart, thus facing their greatest fear, and defeat it, and then they'll be ready to finally graduate and become a proper Patronus. Later when the students are packing and leaving, and they're all pushing their way past Frills, he remembers that he forgot his bag, so he hurries back. That's when he overhears Coach Dingus' voice. He's talking to one of his assistants. Frills hears his own name. They're talking about him. We learn that Frills has basically been repeating the class for several years, always failing to overcome his fears, that he's a phoenix who can't even fly, He's great academically, but in the field, he falls to pieces. He's one of those unlucky Patronuses who are destined to never graduate. Coach defends having him in the class, says it's more out of respect for his late father than anything, and that letting him go with the, other bog, uh, with the others to Bogart Island for the test is kind of like an act of sympathy more than anything. They agree that they'll eventually have to cut him from the program, but decide to wait until after the Bogart Island test, which he will surely fail. Frills has been like holding in a cough this whole time, but he can't help it. He's like... <coughs> coughs loudly and they both spot him and then he like really heartbreakingly and just super awkwardly just well, uh, just wanders into the room and picks up his bag and, and then just walks out with his head down. It's a poor little dude. Poor Frills. Yeah. So Frills, now he knows the situation. He's got to go to Bogart Island, kick the shit out of his fears and a Bogart and finally graduate. Otherwise, he's getting kicked out of the academy and pretty much his life is over. He'll never have the chance to be like his dad. He'll never have the chance to prove that he's more than just a stunted-winged, pudgy-faced phoenix. Mm. Mm. So this is kind of your story then, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) I was seconds away. Very autobiographical. (laughs) (laughs) A few days later, we see the class of hopeful graduates. They're lined up outside the poop building. They stand around nervously. Frills isn't there. And Coach Dingus is like, you know, drilling them about the Bogarts and telling them little last-minute tips and stuff like that. Talking about facing their fears, etc., etc. He's ticking names off, marking attendance. He calls Frills and there's no answer. He calls again, nothing. The students all start sort of laughing and making fun of Frills. Coach Dingus sighs, but he knows it's for the best. But then Frills arrives. He's slightly out of breath. He's always late. He joins the other students. Coach Dingus leads them to a port key, which is just, you know, something like a purple gum boot, and tells them to take hold and bids them farewell. He pulls Frills aside just really quickly and says, good luck, Frills. Frills nods, then places a wing on the port key. Then he turns back to coach and says, I can do this. Coach nods. He said, no, I mean, I will beat the Bogart. I'll beat my fears. I'm going to be a Patronus. I'm going to be just like my dad. Others laugh behind him, but he doesn't care. He stares at coach with a steely determination. Good luck, everyone, he says, and then he walks away. Frills puts his wing on the port key and the rest of the class clamber to get a hold of it. And they're sucked through space and drop on the ground on the outskirts of Bogart Island. (laughs) Which, of course, has like this wickety, uh, rickety wooden footbridge just right there. No, no, I like, I like wickety. Wickety? It's a wickety wooden footbridge. <laughs> uh, beyond that is like it's this island that just stretches out for miles and it's got this kind of you know otherworldly planet vibe that you get from like the rocky and icy terrain of somewhere like Iceland. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you've got like dense and dark trees scattered amongst jagged rocky formations uh, as the group of students leave the port key and travel across the bridge, they're all talking nervously about the fears that await them. Some talk about their greatest, uh, some are like sort of, you know, wondering what their greatest fear is likely to look like when they see a bogart. Others remain silent because they're just real switched on in the zone. Got uh, Maggie the magpie, she's poking fun of frills and she's like, I wish we knew more about the island. 
What are we in for, Frills? You've been here, what, a hundred times? And they all laugh. Frills replies. Typical magpies. Yeah, yeah. magpies. They're the villain, mate, I tell you. <laughs> Frills replies, oh, I've only been here five times. And they're like, five times? Oh, my God. So you must know what your bogart looks like then. What is it? Frills stays silent. He doesn't really want to engage in this conversation. Uh, he, he just He's silent while the little shits play the game of guessing what his greatest fear is. They're like, oh, himself in a mirror. Uh, his shadow, Coach Dingus, an ant, just stuff like that goes on and on for a while. Eventually, they start to splinter off and face the Bogarts alone. Uh, we'll, we'll get like a couple of uh, different uh, points of view of the Patronuses facing Bogarts. So one's like afraid of giant spiders. There's like a giant spider chasing them. One's afraid of a zombie. Maggie, the shitty magpie, is afraid of a shotgun-wielding cyclist chasing him. <laughs> Eventually, it's only Frills left who hasn't faced his bogart. The others grow restless and decide they're going to go wait for him back at the port key. And he's like, don't leave me behind, he says. They tell him to make it quick. Now alone and terrified, Frills ventures further into the island. He can sense being watched but sees no sign of any bogarts. Then he clumsily slips on a rock and tumbles over the edge of a cliff. Down and down he tumbles, smashing into rocks as he goes. As he reaches the bottom of the ravine, he smashes his head on a boulder and passes out. Frills wakes up, maybe like four hours later. He freaks out. He struggles to gather his bearings and then makes a beeline straight back to the bridge. There's no sign of his classmates. He spots the purple gumboot port key and touches it, but nothing happens. He tries again, nothing. Those dickless traitors have abandoned him. <laughs> what the hell does he do now? What would his father do? His father would defeat a Bogart, find a way home, and graduate. So Frills turns, marches back across the bridge to find a Bogart and take that sucker down. Not long after, he's terrified again and super cold. Mm. This place is freezing. And even, like, I'm not sure why I wrote that, because he's, he's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> his fire can turn, like, blue. We follow Frills as he explores the terrain. Eventually, he hears a noise. grows louder and louder and louder. It's a voice. It's booming out across the land. Frills hides behind a rock but peeks over. He whimpers in fear, and then we finally see what he sees. It's a vast, enormous army of Dementors hovering across the land. And so what we have here is actually an army of Bogarts. Um, there's thousands of them, mm -hmm. but they look like Dementors because that is, in fact, Frills', Frills greatest fear. Nice. Uh, he's afraid of fear. Yeah. Which is I what was it, betting on it on being his dad. Mm -hmm. That was my guess. Oh, that would have been cool. What, what, are, what is his relationship? <laughs> <laughs> no, it would have been. That would have been interesting. But I thought like it, he's, his sole purpose as a Patronus is to beat fear and mm -hmm. Dementors represent fear. Yeah. So it'd be, it would be embarrassing for a Patronus, I think, to, to be afraid of a Dementor because they probably all right. approach them pretty like with a laugh. Like, oh, we're, the, we're your natural like enemy and we, sure. we kick your ass all the time. Mm. But Frills is terrified of them uh, and he's now looking at thousands of them. The Dementor Bogarts all look up to a platform and we see there's a leader speaking before them. This is Lord Bloodworm. <laughs> oh. He's the leader of the Bogarts. Now, I imagine his voice is kind of like, he's kind of croaky because he's lived the majority of his life in like a cupboard or a dark space or something mm -hmm. like that. We'll learn a little bit through what he's saying, learn a bit more about the Bogarts, that they were banished out of the Wizarding World and sent here to Bogart Island where they've now formed like a little community. Uh, they've been here for many years. Basically, it's like Bogart Azkaban. If they're doing bad shit in the wizard world, they get sent here as punishment. Lord Bloodworm explains that the Bogarts are fed up with living in the shadows, fed up with being relegated to this godforsaken island. They want to get back into the real wizarding world, and the key to doing so is in storming the Patronus city of Expecto. He whips his army up into a frenzy as they all prepare to begin their march on the city. And then Frills fucking coughs, oh, like he always does. Damn it, Frills. <sighs> they all oh, fall no, silent. <laughs> Frills hides, hoping they didn't hear him, but of course they did. 
They drag him out and throw him to the ground in front of Lord Bloodworm, who goes on a rant about the arrogant Patronuses sending their stupid kind into his land. Uh, Frills fights to fill his brain with happy thoughts, but he's coming up empty. Lord Bloodworm calls forward his son, Bob Bloodworm. <laughs> Bob looks a little out of place. He's obviously smaller than the other Bogarts, and so in Dementor form he looks like a little shorter. He's kind of like a short Dementor. A little, little baby Dementor. <laughs> little baby Dementor type <laughs> thing, yeah. Uh, now imagine that Expecto is kind of like the big brother Australia to Bogart Islands, New Zealand. So the Bogarts probably all have like a bit of a Kiwi accent. Um, and Bloodworm's son, Bob, probably sounds like Ricky Baker from Humphrey Lord. <laughs> right. um, Bloodworm's voice is tricky because it's hard to do like croaky Kiwi. But, mm. you know, Bloodworm says, I, I can't even do it. I'm just going to go croaky. It won't be Kiwi. Sure. Son, you need to stay back. Take this sniveling little runt of a Patronus into the woods and kill it. Oh, but Dad, I want to be in the <laughs> army. I want to be next to you kicking Patronus butt. After you kill it, you come and rejoin the army. We won't be far ahead. Bob kicks at the ground and folds his arms and says, Fine. So the Bogart Dementor army leave, and Frills is led down a narrow path by Bob. They walk towards a forest. Frills is terrified to be in this predicament and to be in the presence of a Dementor, even if it isn't technically a real one. So you're, like, afraid of Dementors, bro? <laughs> doesn't that make it hard to do your job and stuff? Frills doesn't answer, and the pair wander further into the woods. Hey, bro, what's your name? And Frills is like, what difference does it make? You're going to kill me anyway. Well, yeah, but like later when I'm telling my friends about, yeah, about it, I'll, I'll be like, there was, so there was this punk, insert name here, and he started running. <laughs> and then I was like, get back, you sucker. And then we fought this epic battle for like six hours. And then I won and it was sick as. <laughs> Frills doesn't respond. Bob starts kicking at the stones as they walk. Yeah, I've got loads of friends. There's Lord Bloodworm. You mean your, your dad? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like best friends, thick as thieves. I'm basically his most trusted advisor in the army. Are you friends with your dad? Frills pauses for a moment and says, my dad's dead. Oh, sorry, bro. <laughs> Thanks. I bet you have heaps of friends back in Expecto. Again, Frills pauses and he goes, um, yeah, loads of them. Uh, there's uh, Maggie the Magpie, um, Gabe the Gazelle, and uh, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren the Dolphin. Uh, <laughs> loads of friends. Sick. Well, I guess I have to kill you now. They stand in the middle of a clearing. Bob doesn't do anything for like ages. <laughs> if Frills wasn't terrified of looking at his demented face, he would have seen a look of concern spread over it. And finally, Bob's like, I've never killed a Patronus before. And Frills is like, uh, me either? He goes, I, I need a minute to think. Promise not to fly away. And Phil's like, I can't fly. Are your wings broken? No, I, I, I just don't. I don't know how to use them properly yet. Bob's just like, you're weird, bro. <laughs> He's like, promise not to run then. And Phil's nods. Bob starts to pace thinking and Phil's immediately makes a run for it. <laughs> Bob's chasing him yelling out, traitor, traitor. Bob gives chase and it's an epic chase. We follow them across what feels like half the island. Phil's just trying to get back to the bridge so that he at least sort of has a bearing on where he is on the island. Bob's really anxious not to let his father down. He's got to kill this sucker. As is his nature, Frills clumsily trips and falls, but with Bob right behind him, they kind of get tangled up and they both sort of plummet over the edge and they both get knocked out. <laughs> oh, Frills is not having, Frills is not having a, a good day. day. Hours pass and Frills sort of groggily wakes up to see the ghastly face of Bob right in his. He screams. Bob jumps back. He screams too. He tells him they've probably been knocked out for a few hours. The army's long gone. He's messed up badly. Frills wonders aloud why Bob didn't just kill him while he was knocked out. Bob goes on to explain that he wanted to, to impress his dad and fulfill his mission and all that stuff. But he couldn't do it. He's not a killer. At least not yet. The pair strike a deal. 
Bob will let him live, but in return, Frills has to help Bob find the trail of the Bogart army as it's on the way to Expecto. Frills tells him that the port key won't work, so they're going to have to travel on foot. It's going to take days, but that's fine. Frills just needs to show him the way, but also under no circumstances can he be seen with any other Bogarts. Once they get close, they'll part ways. Frills can rush back to Expecto and warn everyone about the attack, and Bob can catch up with the army and tell his father that he killed Frills, and they shake hands on it. And now it's road trip time, as this (laughs) unlikely pair head out on the open road, making the long and winding journey from Bogart Island all the way back to Expecto. Initially, they walk in silence, with Frills barely looking at Bob, whose appearance still terrifies him. But Bob's a bit of an unfiltered motor mouth, and he can't really help himself. It's also a goldmine of like useless facts and just continually spits out things like, did you know that around 3,000 tonnes of space dust strike the Earth every single year? And <laughs> other stuff like, did you know that parascacophobia is the irrational fear of Friday the 13th? Just like weird shit. And Frills is just like, what? All right. This sort of segues into Bob asking why uh, Frills fears dementors more than anything, like why uh, he takes on the appearance of a dementor. But Frills is kind of cagey on the subject, doesn't really want to talk about it. He also says that if we're going to keep traveling together, then Bob is going to need to wear something, like you know, cover his face or something, just to take some of the scariness out of his appearance because it's really unsettling, like <laughs> walking next to him. So they go on this quick little detour into a nearby town, and they're hiding in the bushes as they watch the occupants of the town, a bunch of leprechauns, darting back and forth, busy with their days. Frill spots a clothesline and is like this hot pink scarf blowing gently in the breeze. Perfect, he thinks. He tells Bob to stay hidden so that his appearance doesn't scare all the little leprechauns. Who I just want to note, all look absolutely lovely, like really kind and not at all pesky little Irish rainbow-hugging gold-hoarding scumbags. Frill da- Frills dashes out. He's ducking and weaving, remains unseen. He snatches the pink scarf from the, from the clothesline and makes a break back towards the bushes, but a small voice behind him makes him skid to a halt. Now wait just there, Sonny. Frill turns and a little red-headed leprechaun walks towards him, a polite smile on his face. Would you mind showing me what you got there in your hands? Frills trembles and shakes his head no. A crowd of leprechauns now descend on the scene. One shouts out, well, he's got me wife's scarf. The friendly smiles disappear and things escalate really quickly. Every leprechaun Frills looks at now is like a weapon in their hand and all the weapons are about <laughs> twice the size of the one wielding it. The main leprechaun, let's call him Seamus, he waltzes forward and he says, you come into our wee little town in defiance of our laws and our God and his cathedral and you steal a really, really lovely scarf worth thousands, thousands of dollars. Only one thing for us to do, Sonny. So they decide to hang frills for theft. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, they got him up on an elevated platform in the middle of town. There's a noose next to him. It's ready and waiting. And all the leprechauns are banging for blood. Like They're really bloodthirsty little bastards. Then a voice. It's Bob. He remains unseen, as promised. You can't kill him. Seamus calls out, who goes there? Bob panics. Um, I'm your conscience, bro. You've been real stupid. You can't hang that little dude. His whole body is on fire. You wrap a rope around his neck and you'll probably burn your whole town down. The leprechauns murmur in agreement. Shermus nods. Aye, the voice is right. We best cut off his head. <laughs> no, Bob shouts. Don't do that either. Why not? He's a criminal. Because uh, he's my guide. None of this gibberish makes any sense to me. One of the leprechauns yells out. I say we kill him and your conscience too. <laughs> Bob sighs and marches out into the open. They all look at him for a second. His appearance kind of distorts because there's so many eyes looking at him. Hmm. At first, he's in dementor form, but then he starts taking on a variety of appearances. He sort of moves forward and like a walking glitch going from dementor to giant spider to a giant hammer smashing a rainbow to like King Richard the Lionheart and there's a bunch of snakes and there's an empty gold chest, et cetera, et cetera. Leprechauns scatter in fear as Bob marches through them. Uh, he reaches the platform and sets Frills free and Frills snatches the pink scarf and together they, uh, they run off away from the town and into the forest. 
Later, they're back on the road and they're working their way through the forest. Frills hands Bob the pink scarf and tells him to wrap it around his face. He does, and uh, now the menacing Dementor with a he now looks like a menacing Dementor with a hot pink scarf sort of loosely like wrapped <laughs> around his face. It looks a little goofy and it's just a little less threatening for Frills. That's an improvement, says Frills, but no offense, I'm still not going to look at you. Bob thanks him. He says, This is the first gift anyone's ever given me. They stand in awkward silence for a moment before Bob clears his throat and says, and it just like rattles off some weird fact. He's like, Do you know that uh, Percy Baishi Shelley once tied a cat to a kite to see if it would be electrocuted in a lightning storm? And Frills is like, uh, Was it? Don't know. Uh, okay, Bob. So the pair wander on uh, onwards and continue to hike and talk, and slowly they're bonding. And he says, why are you most scared of Dementors? And Frills takes a long time to answer, but then says, I think it means I'm afraid of fear more than anything. What's wrong with that? Fear's scary as. But a Patronus, uh, oh, Frills says, because a Patronus, like a proper graduated Patronus, is supposed to be free of fear. It's the only way to beat Dementors. It's the only way to make a difference. Where I come from anyway. That's what my dad was good at. Oh, yeah? My dad's really good at killing stuff and not talking about my mum. <laughs> little Bob. Bob just went deep and an awkward silence lingers. And Frills says, uh, back home they call me no frills. Bob laughs but then quickly stops. Bunch of dicks. They both laugh. Bob scratches his head. How is no frills a bad thing? It's like to the point and what you want. And Frills says nothing special. And Bob's like, exactly. And then, oh, oh, sorry, bro. It's okay. My dad named me. He's like, dad's, huh? I always thought I, oh, this is Frills. I always thought I had time to become like my dad, but I'm starting to think I'll never be as good a patron. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is him. And then Bob's like, yeah, I'm starting to think I'll never be a mass-murdering badass like my dad. <sighs> what a world. <laughs> Bob, you notice anything wrong? No. But the top of that tree is sick as. And then Bob sort of slows down. Like, the top of this tree. And we pull back and see that both Frills and Bob are floating high, high up in the air. They're like clinging, clinging to their arms of these tiny little eight-inch short uh, blue demonic creatures who cackle with a high-pitched squeal. They're Cornish pixies. Hey. <laughs> 
Frill starts panicking. Bob tells him to chill out. He can always just fly down, and Frills reminds him that he can't fly. And Bob's like, I don't think they know that, bro. The Cornish Pixies release Frills and then laugh gleefully as he plummets to the ground. Now would be a good time to start flying, bro. Just do it. Frills falls faster and faster. He's crashing through branches, and he's trying so hard to flap his wings, but nothing happens, and he smashes into the ground, dazed and confused. The Pixies start circling Bob in midair and pecking at him, softly at first, but then harder and harder. It's starting to hurt him. Frills wonders why he isn't changing form in front of the Pixies. He calls out that there must be the scarf covering his face or something like that. They can't get a good enough look at him and vice versa. But Bob's hands are pinned down by Pixies. Frills needs to fly up and help him. Bob starts to cry out in pain as the Pixies bite and scratch. He begins to, he begs Frills, you 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 need to fly, you need to help me. Frills plants his feet, grits his teeth and tries to flap his wings with everything he has. There's a little tiny bit of movement, but then nothing. He can't do it. He falls to his knees as Bob cries out in pain. Then Frills has an idea. He tells Bob he's got to pretend to give the Pixies the Dementor's kiss. I ain't kissing no Cornish Pixie, bro. Besides, that won't work anyway. Yeah, but they don't know that, says Frills. Bob pretends to lean in for a kiss, and one of the Pixies holding his arm immediately freaks out and releases him. Now with a free hand, he swats away another one. Bob glides through the air, circling down and down towards the ground. The Pixies all flutter down in a swarm, surrounding Bob and Frills. Bob steps in front of Frills, protecting him, and yanks the scarf away, revealing his grotesque face. He stares right at the Pixies, and they all start to sort of panic as Bob's appearance glitches like static again. You see a bunch of sort of different Pixie fears, like a heavy textbook hitting them, or freezing (laughs) ice, or a cricket bat, among other things. Bob moves through them aggressively until they all scatter and run for cover in the trees. When the coast is clear and their screeching squeals have gone, Bob turns around to face Frills back to looking like a Dementor. With eyes closed, Frills hands Bob the pink scarf and he wraps it around his face. Frills relaxes a little. Bob thanks him for coming up uh, with a way out. He may not be brave, but he's clever. Frills thanks him for saving his life again, and Bob smiles and says, hey, what are friends for? Frills just looks at him, sort of stuck for words, and says nothing. They keep walking. More time passes. More hiking through forests and over mountains, down valleys and through rivers, they're getting closer and closer to both the Bogart army and the city of Expecto, and they're starting to understand that their time in each other's company will soon be at an end. One night they've made a camp on top of a mountain, and they're talking about the plan for tomorrow and how there's a tunnel they need to pass through and they'll pretty much be done. They relax a bit. They're getting near the end. We can very vaguely see the lights of Expecto in the distance, but they pale in comparison to the bright stars. Frills tells Bob that they've never been this bright in the city. Bob, always quick for a useless fact, this time says a relevant one. He says, did you know that there's this galaxy called Andromeda that is 2.5 million light years away, which means that light took 2.5 million years to reach us? Whoa, says Frills. Yeah, it's sick, huh? That means you're seeing the galaxy as it was 2.5 million years ago, bro. Frills sits in stunned silence for several moments, then says, I wish you didn't look like a Dementor all the time. Bob says, what do you wish I looked like? And he goes, oh, I don't know, just something I'm not afraid of, maybe something I like, I don't know, uh, a flamingo. <laughs> you want me to look like a flamingo? Flamingos are cool. You ain't, bro. And they both laugh as we slowly fade out over a shot of them looking up at the stars. It's nice. Aww. The next morning they stand at the entrance of an underground tunnel. It's sinking in that they'll be parting ways on the other side. They're both kind of in no rush to enter. Eventually they do. Bob asks if there is anything alive down there. Uh, nope, says Frills. But then we hear a slither, uh, skin scraping across the rocky ground. What was that? Asks Bob. Probably nothing, says Frills. He's already starting to sort of freak out. Frills peeks around the corner. All the red and orange and yellow drains from his face. He looks back at Bob. 
who asks, what did you see? Frills just looks at him for a while and then starts moaning. Basilisk. What? Basilisk. There's a basilisk down there. There's a there's a basilisk. Frills just rocks back and forth. He's freaking out. Oh, what do we do? Asks Bob. They run, darting and weaving around corners and down little passageways. The tunnel's practically become a maze. Frills tells Bob to tie the scarf around his eyes so that he can't be killed by looking at the basilisk. Frills closes his eyes and tries to think. Frills says they can't beat it by having Bob change into its fear because then he'd be looking at it and certainly die. No, they needed another idea. You're the clever one. What else do you know about this thing? And he, uh, Frills says uh, phoenixes are immune to the to the uh, death gaze of a basilisk. So like, um, which I didn't know. Found that out. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. Um, that works. Which makes sense because yeah, well, <laughs> happens in yeah. yeah chamber of secrets. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, he tells that to Bob, and Bob's like, yes, yes, perfect. And he's like, no, it's not perfect. Stare can't kill me. He can still eat me. He's like, you've got to fly up there and peck his eyes out, Phoenix style, says Bob. <laughs> Bob, I, I can't. Hard as I try, I can't fly. He's like, I believe in you, bro. Oh, I, I think I, I want Bob to be my Patronus. <laughs> <laughs> Frills is just like, oh, I can't. And he goes, you have to. I can't do Jack. You're our only hope. You've got to fly or think of something else from your books, bro. Uh, Frills sighs and then takes small stuttering steps into the open as Bob hides in the shadows. The basilisk, uh, basilisk slides out into the open, coming into view, and it keeps sliding and sliding and sliding. It must be about 50 feet long. Frills shakes all over with fear. The basilisk turns its head and stares at him with its huge yellow eyes. It bears its knife-like fangs. Again, Frills tries with everything he has to make his wings flap. His face strains, contorted with maximum effort. The basilisk seems to watch him almost with amusement. His pathetic, straining whimpers echo around the cave walls, the blindfolded Bob listens to them and drops his head sadly. His shoulders slump. The basilisk, basilisk that's a tricky, bloody creature <laughs> yeah. word, man. What are you doing, JK? The giant snake begins slithering <laughs> forward slowly. Bob doesn't know what to do, but Frills is muttering something under his breath. We can hear it. He's like, think of something else from your books, bro. Frills looks up, Frills looks up at the basilisk, his face determined, and uh, this is where I am. Um, what sound does a rooster make? Because I wrote cacaw, but that's not it. <laughs> Is it like cock-a-doodle-doo? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Phil starts like just doing it again and again. He's like, cock-a-doodle-doo. And Bob's like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> the basilisk stops and then it does nothing for several moments, sort of frozen. And then Phil's crows again and again. And the basilisk starts swaying in panic. Its head crashes into the cave wall. Dust flies in all directions as the beast continues to contort and hiss violently. It slithers back, turns and slides away. It's hissing, following it down the narrow passageways. As it leaves the cave, um, they can see sort of the exit sort of clearly comes into view. There's like this gentle light pouring in. Bob staggers out of the shadows and he says, what the hell was that? Frills smiles. He said, think of something from my books. I thought about what you would turn into if it could see you. And it's a rooster. The sound of a rooster is the only thing that they fear. That's amazing, bro. Together they wander out into the light and stand upon a clifftop. The view is incredible. The vast city of Petronas lays before them in all its glory. A mere hour's walk away. Frills smiles down at it, at home, but his smile is bittersweet. Bob looks out to his right, behind a set of trees and hidden from the city's view is his father's enormous army of bogarts, their camp set up, looking ready for an impending march. The two stand in awkward silence. Neither really knows what to say. Bob clears his throat and offers a random fact. Did you know that karate actually originated in India? Pretty cool, huh? Stop it, Bob. Just stop with the stupid, useless facts. It's not very nice, bro. There are thousands of your bogards down there. They're getting ready to kill my friends. 
They're not your friends, Frills. Face it, bro, I'm like the only friend you have. That's not true. Whatever. Besides, they're not all bad guys down there. And then Frills is like, well, uh, your dad is. And then Bob, you know, Bob looks pretty stung by that. And he's like, well, you can't choose your family. Frills looks away. Besides, says Bob, not all of us chose to live here. We got banished here, out of the wizarding world, away from home. Sure, I was born here and it's the only home I've ever known. But guys like my dad, maybe they do bad stuff, but they're just trying to get home. Frills looks at Bob sadly. But destroying my home, he says. What do you want me to do? I can't make them stop. I can't fight. I'm not my dad. Neither are you. What's that supposed to mean, says Frills? Bro, you can't fly. You can't fight. You can read a book, sure, but you ain't your dad. You never will be. And Frills is like, I'm not trying to be. Bob's laughs sadly. He says, it's all you've ever tried to be. You're afraid you'll never live up to him. Afraid you'll let him down. And then Frills um, is sort of struggling for words here. He's like, that's just your dad talking. You don't have to be like him. I can help you. You can come to expecto. Bob's like, what? And be bullied like you? Be an outcast like you? Get it through your head, Frills. I'm a bogger and you're a Patronus. I thought we could be friends, but that was stupid. Bob's reached that point where he's trying to find that you know wedge that will finally push Frills away. And he's like, we both let our deads down. Only difference is mine is still alive. I can still make him proud of me, but yours, well, you can't. It's like a slap in Frills' face. Oh, Bob. And then suddenly before his eyes, Bob changes form. He's no longer oh. a Dementor with a pink scarf. He now looks like Frills' dad forks. Oh. <laughs> Good call, Goose. Yeah. <laughs> he looks down on Frills with disappointment. Frills has finally realised that his greatest fear is his father and letting him down. Frills stumbles backwards and trips. Bob looks down on him and says, just fly home, Frills. Frills runs away with tears in his eyes. Bob watches him go and then looks down at the Bogart camp. Later, Bob arrives at the Bogart camp. Uh, this is kind of tricky because we don't know what the Bogart's Actually natural form is like. Yeah. So I think um, the way to sort of bypass it here is to have like a little Patronus playing in the trees just mm-hmm. near where the army is camped and you can hear like some noise and he stumbles upon it and so we kind of see it through his eyes. Mm from behind the bushes, um, for argument's sake, let's just say that his greatest fear is scarecrows. So it looks like an army of scarecrows. Mm, that sounds terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lord Bloodworm's like halfway through this impassioned pre-battle speech when a smaller scarecrow wearing a pink scarf walks through the crowd. It's Bob. He greets his father and says that he killed Frills, then became lost but has returned in time for the battle. He expects to be welcomed with open arms, but Bloodworm like mocks him for getting lost doubts whether he actually had what it takes to kill the Patronus and mocks the scarf he wears and bemoans the fact that he only ever had one son. What a dick. Yeah, right. Jesus. <laughs> you, think, you think a guy called Bloodworm would be nicer than yeah, that? You think he'd be yeah. pretty happy-go-lucky, yeah. right? Bloodworm pushes Bob aside and then like gives us the details of his grand plan. He wants the army to rain down on the city in a huge attack, and while distracting the Patronuses with the fight, Bloodworm will patiently wait for one of the Patronuses, any of them really, to start glowing. And then just as they're summoned into the wizarding world, he's going to like latch onto them and also be pulled through, thus going home. So the fighting is the distraction. The real goal is to get as many of them home as possible. At this point, the hiding place of the Patronus that was watching them is discovered and he's dragged before Lord Bloodworm. Bloodworm looks at Bob and says that if he's really the brave warrior he claims to be, he'll have no trouble killing this Patronus. Mm. What, what, What form does this Patronus take? Uh, to cat, little tabby cat, little tabby cat, All right. little puss in boots looking thing. <laughs> Bob Adorable steps forward and stands over the Patronus, but he can't do it. He staggers backwards in shame. Lord Bloodworm shoves him to the ground and then violently kills the cat. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is a Pixar film. 
<laughs> well, you know, there's got to be some casualties. It's probably one of those off-screen ones where you'll just see his foot rise up and then, like, it'll black oh. out of, like, a boom as he steps on it. How about know? just 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 for me? <laughs> Instead of a cat, it's a pine martin. Yeah, okay. No, it can totally be a pine martin. And he can curb stomp it. Yeah? Yeah. Put your mouth on my car. It's just American history acts. Yeah. <laughs> but with a New Zealand accent. Yeah. <laughs> and a Legal. ferret thing. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Frills arrives back in Expecto. Uh, there's a few Patronuses there. They look at him. They're surprised to see that he's still alive. Everyone sort of had written him off. He makes it back to the Patronus Academy, which is still named Poop. They're still working on that name. He quickly finds Coach Dingus and the students, and we see that most of them, including Maggie the Magpie, have turned into Corporal Patronuses and are now silver. Frills tells them of the impending attack and that they're all in danger, that they have to sound the alarm. But basically they all just laugh at him. Maggie the Magpie calls him a disgrace to his father's memory and to all Patronuses, and yeah, nobody maybe. really disagrees or defends him. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of cast him aside and just don't listen. But then we hear like a siren, kind of like a World War II air raid. <laughs> Frills is pushed aside as Coach Dingus and the others rush outside. Frills joins them and sees absolute motherfucking chaos as this Bogart army, thousands of them, descend upon the city, raining down like fire. This would be like the part of the movie where the Pixar team could get like pretty visually stunning with it and you'd have like these moments where the Bogart's appearance is a sort of like statically changing because there's all different eyes looking at him and fears. Mm. But we'll we'll have these sort of extended moments where you they're locked in combat, you know, against one opponent, for instance, and we see it to their point of view. So we're gonna see like a variety of different fears and threats and monsters, but just on like a massive like thousand scale, basically. Yeah, nice. So a bit of an epic action montage where we hop around through different perspectives. This isn't easy like it was back on Bogart Island when we saw a few uh, Patronuses beating them, uh, where, it, where it was essentially one-on-one. You know, one Patronus who's afraid of zombies is now fighting for their life against like a thousands and thousands strong giant horde of the undead. We follow an eagle Patronus as it swirls up high in the air and there's like these giant like Godzilla-sized spiders that are weaving webs and trying to catch it and shooting like poison venom at it. Another Patronus is afraid of quicksand, and so like every bog art just stretches out like this, just miles and miles of deadly quicksand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like an army of grim reapers swinging their blades at the head of this Labrador. Over in the lake, uh, the bog arts swarm around Dolph Lundgren, the dolphin. They're all taking on the guise of like dozens of fishermen's nets, and they're dragging him away. Mm-hmm. Maggie the magpie flies away in terror as this army of angry shotgun-wielding cyclists <laughs> chase her. Damn. Coach Dingus darts back and forth through buildings as several fire-breathing dragons give chase. Amidst all the chaos, uh, we move back and find Frills. He stands in the middle of the city, rooted to the spot, utterly terrified. He looks around at the Bogart army and we see what he sees. Hundreds and just thousands and thousands of Bogarts who all look like his father, Mm. furiously and angrily trying to violently murder him. (laughs) Terrified, he finally makes his legs move and runs. He ducks, he weaves, he gets knocked to the ground and gets back up. He's got to find Bob. He's got to try and convince him that stopping Lord Bloodworm is the only way to end this madness. We see Bloodworm mercilessly dispatching Patronuses left and right while on the lookout for anyone that's been summoned so he can latch onto them. Bob sort of shadows him, avoiding any actual fighting and just sort of hiding. His appearance will change uh, as he comes in the path of various different like people's fears, but we'll always be able to keep track of him because he's wearing that pink uh, scarf. Nice. Mm-hmm. Frills works his way through the battle, narrowly avoiding uh, getting killed by the image of his own father. Finally, he finds Bob looking sullen in the shadow of his own father. Frills calls out to him saying they need to stop this. Lord Bloodworm spins around and sees Frills. He recognises him from earlier and he looks down upon Bob and says, He's still alive. You're a liar, a traitor, a blood traitor. You're no son of mine. Bloodworm smacks Bob in the face and he goes flying through the air, crashing to the ground in a sad heap. 
Bloodworm looks around at his minions and pointing at Bob, orders them to kill him. What? They descend oh down. <laughs> they descend. Shit, dies. Yeah. They descend. <laughs> they descend down around him. Leave him alone, stammers a terrified Frills. They ignore him completely and move in closer on Bob. Frills grows a little louder. I said, leave him alone. They still advance. Bloodworm leans forward and yells, kill him. And then Frills grits his teeth and for the very first time in his life, he extends his wings and with yeah. a burst of fire, he flies straight oh, at the Bogarts that look just like his father. Yeah. Kicks one in the head, sending him flying and does like a somersault backflip badass superhero landing on the ground, standing in between Bob and the gang of Bogarts. And he says, I said, leave my friend alone. Yeah. Frills has finally learnt to fly. He's finally found his courage and he finally has a friend. But then he starts to feel strange. His body starts to glow silver, brighter and brighter and brighter. And he looks down. He's like, oh, no. No, he's like, no, 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 not now. No, no. Please not now. I have to help him. No, not now. Frills looks back as Bob, as in slow motion, and he's slowly getting sucked out of Expecto. He's summoned into the wizarding world. As the silver expands and sort of takes hold of his body, Lord Bloodworm dives Forward and tackles Frills in a bear hug, mm. holding tight, and they're both sucked into a black tunnel. We hear a cry of Expecto Patronum, and it sort of bounces and echoes off the walls of this dark tunnel. They're racing further and further towards the light, and then Frills bursts from the end of a wizard's wand. He sees a gleeful Lord Bloodworm make a run for it. Frills' instinct is to chase him, but he is greeted by the reality of his situation. Hulking over him are about a dozen Dementors, real Dementors. He tries to look over his shoulder at his wizard. But uh, there's like a silvery sort of haze obscuring mm. his view. Frills still trembles with fear. The silver surrounding him shakes and falters with fear and uncertainty. He needs to find a happy thought. Just one big, bright, powerful, happy thought. He thinks of how proud his father would be that he's finally graduated, but it doesn't do enough. He needs something more powerful. Frills smiles and he thinks of Bob. And like that, he spreads his wings and soars straight at the Dementors, his silver light shining brighter than ever. He swoops down on them and they scatter into the darkness. No match for him. Frills looks around frantically. No sign of bloodworm. He's escaped into the wizarding world, ready to wreak havoc. Frills shouts out, oh, damn it. A stunned voice from behind him says, you, you spoke. You, you just spoke. <laughs> oh, no. Frills has broken <laughs> the first rule of Patronus. Never talk to a wizard. Coach Dingus is going to kill me, he thinks. He turns to face his wizards and says, uh, to face the wizard and says, uh, no, no, I didn't. I just did it again. What's your name? Oh, Frills. Pleasure to meet you, Frills. I'm Albus, Albus Potter. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Frills uh, is in a little awe. He obviously knows all about Harry Potter, for instance. Um, he says, what are you angry about, Frills? And he says, I need to get back and help my friend, but Lord Bloodworm, he's this evil bogart. He followed me here and he's escaped and I'm afraid if I don't stop him, he could do some really, really bad things. So Albus offers to help Frills find him. Uh, Frills flies and lights up the area, and Albus spots him, and then they, you know, they have, they battle it out. Bloodworm switches between the appearance of Frills' dad. Uh, he's sort of getting, you know, again conflicted between Frills' fear and Albus's Albus fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Frills' dad, and weirdly, he just turns into Albus, but like a very clumsy and like shit wizard version of Albus. Mm-hmm. Lord Bloodworm curses at them for getting in the way of his master plan—a really weird shit plan. He wants to find a time turner. Travel back to the events in book three where Remus Lupin taught students the ridiculous charm, which actually ended up inspiring one of Harry's classmates, Seamus O'Finnegan, to later establish the anti-Bogart Defence League within the Ministry of Magic, which led to Lord Bloodworm's banishment, and he wants to kill Lupin and Seamus and stop his kind from ever being banished. Albus looks at him with amusement and then says, to him, tells him that his plan is crap because all the time-turners were destroyed. So everybody knows that. 
Lord Bloodworm is super embarrassed and distracted, which allows Albus to perform a ridiculous charm on him and trap him in like a dark box, which he hands to Frills. Mm. Frills asks why the Bogart looked like Albus, and Albus sighs and says that he suspects his greatest fear is that he'll just be a bad wizard and that he'll never live up to the enormous shadow cast by his father, but that he's mm. starting to realise that living in fear of failure is to live life in fear. He doesn't have to be like his father because he isn't. There'll never be another Harry Potter, but there'll also never be another Albus Potter. He asks Frills if that makes any sense at all. Frills smiles and says, yeah, I can relate. And the two part ways, and Frills clutching onto the imprisoned Lord Bloodworm is sucked back into Albus Swand and transported back into the world of Expecto. In his absence, the tide of the battle has turned. The Patronuses outnumber the Bogart army and have wrestled their way on top. Some flee, others still fight, but when Frills returns, now a completely silver Corporal Patronus, and he declares that he's defeated Lord Bloodworm, the Bogarts turn tail and just make a run for it. And all the Patronuses are cheering for victory. Frills looks around and sees a peculiar sight. The Bogarts no longer look like his father. They look like flamingos. <laughs> Dead flamingos. With all, kinds of, with all kinds of grotesque weapons sticking out of them. <laughs> the many of them still move despite looking dead. They continue to flee the city. Frills searches frantically for any sign of Bob. Then, amidst some rubble, he sees a pink scarf fluttering in the breeze. He braces to it. Uh, he races over to it and lifts the rubble away, revealing a very dead, emotionless what? flamingo wearing a pink scarf. What? He says, "Bob, oh, no, no, no! Wake up! Wake, wake up! But no, I was gone too long. Oh, I'm sorry." Frills cradles his friend in his arms and weeps. He says, "Tell me one of your stupid facts, Bob. Tell me all of them. I, I promise I'll listen." A crowd of Patronuses are slowly gathering around them. We see Coach Dingus, Maggie the Magpie, even Gabe the Gazelle has survived the battle. What? Fr- <laughs> Frills continues to weep. He doesn't care who sees him. He, he looks down at Bob. He says, I, I love you, Bob. You're my best friend in the whole world. The crowd start to shuffle away, giving Frills privacy. But then we hear a voice. Did you know that almost all the villains in the Bible have red hair? <laughs> Bob opens his eyes and smiles. Frills smiles too and clears his throat, <clears throat> trying to sound as manly as he can. He says, you are right." And Bob's like, yeah, bro. When you're attacked by a bear, roll up in a ball and pretend you're dead. Works every time. But then try not to fall asleep. (laughs) Frills shakes his head and laughs. Bob looks at him and says, you look different. You're all silver. And you're a flamingo with with four arrows shot through you. Yeah, says Bob. I don't get it. I do, says Frills. Remember when I said I wished you looked like a flamingo? Well, I think my greatest fear is that you're dead. So this is how you look now. After a little beat, Bob says, cool. (laughs) Frills helps him to his feet, dusts him off, and Bob's like, so you uh, saved the day, huh? He's like, I guess. And he goes, you saved me. Thanks, Frills. And he's like, you're welcome, Bob. And uh, then Bob looks at him and says, you know before when I said you can't choose your family? Well, there's one thing you can choose, your best friend. They both smile at each other as we slowly fade out. We see a lake. Its waters are calm. Music slowly starts building as a shadow, dim at first but then stronger, begins to move across the water. Then the flapping of wings roars into view. Silvery wisps follow it. Then we look up and see silvery, fiery wings fully outstretched. It's a silver phoenix. It's frills, a little bigger than before. We follow frills as he skims the top of the water, loops up higher and higher in the air. We hold on his heels as he leaves the lake, glides up the mountain and eventually reveals the giant city of Expecto below. Frills swoops down through the streets 
and we see some younger Patronuses spot him and wave. He smiles at them. We might see him pass Maggie the Magpie and others, and they kind of nod in respect. We see that the Poop Academy building has been renamed to simply Expecto Patronus Academy, and Coach Dingus is like cleaning a sign with a with a rag. He flies past the statue of his father in the center of the city, and he lifts his head with a sense of pride. Frills leaves the city and swoops down over a forest. Behind the forest is the newly relocated village of the Bogart community, led by Bob. They help each other erect buildings. They all look up at the flying frills and wave. He smiles down at them and waves at Bob before he starts glowing bright silver, brighter and brighter, before Frills is summoned back into the wizarding world again and passes through the dark tunnel out into the light where he sees Albus and then with his head down and a smile on his face, he charges at an army of Dementors as we black out into the credits. Oh, the end. Brilliant. Yeah. You and so your goddamn good. father figures, mate. <laughs> it's, all, it's a movie about fathers, mate. Yeah. Um, all of your movies are movies about fathers. Are they? I don't know. No, I think they might be. <laughs> except, except for Wally. Yeah. Yeah. Wally's just a completely random, like, why does that exist sort of <laughs> idea. But, yeah. Well, it's also about friends, though. Yeah, like yeah. I like stories about friendship. Damn beautiful. I'm um, like, move yeah. over Romeo Bob. and Juliet because we have a new greatest. <laughs> no, I like stories about friendship. The father thing, don't know. Don't know why it keeps procuring. No, idea. no it's a good bit. I, I think you need to have a long conversation with your father. I'm like, Dad. You're just too good, and too I need good. someone who's a bit, <laughs> is a bit more of a shitty parent. <laughs> right. Because I'm running out of writing inspiration. Just, just Come give on, me blood worm as an example. <laughs> if you could just try to kill me. Yeah, yeah. If you could just, you know. I know. It would improve our relationship. <laughs> Go home. Go to your dad and be like, Dad, hit me. Come on. <laughs> I don't want to. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's so nice that he would hit you. How did you think, of, think up the idea? Oh, um, it's going to be this world of... No, it's when we started talking about doing these Harry Potter anthologies and I was originally going to do the Escape from Azkaban sort of prison break sort of thing. I don't know. No, because I don't know. We were all sort of pitching different ideas and I thought it'd be cool to do like an animated movie set in Harry Potter yeah. worlds. And then I just had to pick like what sort of creature did I want. Originally it was like it was going to be dragons and I'm like, it's already like How to Train Your Dragon. Right. So it came down to, I didn't really think very hard, but it came down <laughs> to Patronuses or House Elves and I was like, ah, and I had the idea for Patronus. And I was yeah. Like, yeah. They've yeah, got to come from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants a movie about house elves. Yeah. <laughs> no, not even Hermione would go watch that. No. <laughs> I am very glad that you brought back the uh, the dad for his greatest fear. That was good. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That was like, because I, originally I'm like, what would his greatest fear be? And that was the first thought. I'm like, yeah, yeah probably his dad. Absolutely. And I thought, well, that might be more powerful at the end. Yeah. I was, all, I was trying to think of like different, I always thought it was an issue that he's traveling with the Dementor, mm. if it's his greatest fear in the world when he's, like, walking next to it on the mm. road. Like, I tried to sort of shield it a bit by having him wear, like, a goofy scarf. Yeah. If he's, like, a little Dementor who's kind of pudgy and cute. No, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, he's a bit short. He's, he's like a little kid Dementor. Too big for yeah. Actually, yeah, he's always tripping over his robes. and yeah. <laughs> He looks like Ricky Baker. Right? He looks like Ricky <laughs> yeah. Baker, yeah. He's like yeah. a kind of little fat, pudgy thing, yeah. <laughs> and on the Ricky Baker note, uh, Sam Neill for Lord Bloodworm. Oh, good. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get anywhere near his voice. <laughs> like, this is a craggy one. I, I didn't even do that. I should have just made it like uh, Roz from Monsters, Inc. She'd been like, oh, yeah. You've always disappointed me, Bob. Because <laughs> I imagine they would all be kind of croaky. Yeah. So like Bob, for instance, I imagine all the younger Bogarts are kind of Kiwis because mm. imagine they've been in this island, this community for ages. Mm. So like his dad originally came from the wizarding world where he was in a cupboard and hiding and scaring right. people and shit. 
So he's croaky, but the rest of them are kind of just Bobby Kiwis. Yeah. <laughs> and the Patronuses are Australians because, you know, the coach is a dingo, so why not? Yeah. A dingo would be an excellent Patronus. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. It'd be mm. pretty good. Did you have any ideas for who the other voice cast? I always I've, I always like Pat Oswalt's voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, mainly from Ratatouille and yeah, basically yeah. everything that he's in. But um, Would he have to do an Aussie accent? Or a New Zealand accent. Oh, no, no, like, I didn't do that because I'm like, I'm terrible at voices. Yeah. And I was like, it's probably just easier if Frills is basically just me, but like a little bit more like that. Um, yeah, probably Patton Oswalt as yeah. Frills. Yeah. Um, the Ricky Baker kid for Bob, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like Drew said, Sam Neill for Lord Bloodman. Yeah. Julian, I think There's not many. Is. Yeah, Julian something. Um, mm. There's not many characters in it. Just kind of like when I said to you, oh, I haven't really got Act Two sort of figured out. It's kind of just like three sort of obstacle action events in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. probably like flesh it out with more supporting characters in there, like they meet someone on the road or something like yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah. Toyed with it like for about five minutes with the idea of like the the sun or the moon being a character. Oh, and okay. Just interacting yeah, yeah. with him as they're walking along, and he's just like a sassy bitch or something. <laughs> but I just didn't do anything with it. Probably should have done that. Like they're walking along, and the moon's just like that scarf clashes horribly. <laughs> 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 so what kind of relationship did he have with his dad before he died? Like, yeah, I would have liked to see it with that. Yeah, I kind of just wanted to like hit the ground running though and just have him mm. dead straight away. Yeah. <laughs> so it's show him as the hero he is and all of a sudden, boom, there's his statue. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Right, 25 years stuff. later. Okay. Also, 25 years, I was just kind of like, I just need to pick it a year. What's yeah. long enough that Dumbledore's dead and the Fawkes Patronus is dead, but Albus Potter's a thing that exists. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing I wonder how recreate, like, uh, recreation works in Patronus. Yeah, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Patronuses? Does he have a mum? Yeah. Like yeah, I never addressed the mum. Interesting. Oh, speaking of the mums, bloody punch me in the gut, why don't you, with Bob talking about how his dad is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Bob had a mum. She's, yeah. she's Boggett's obviously Boggett's. going at it all the time. Yeah, no, I didn't, really, I didn't really think of that. I remember when I had an original conversation with you, mm. Damon, you were like, oh, it'd be really cool to like, you know, sort of. Uh, the world building of the actual city. I didn't do much with it. It's mm. just like some weird architecture, a bunch yeah. of animals live there. Um, <laughs> they all seem to get along. Yeah. I was going to do more originally because I mentioned there's a volcano that all the fiery ones live in. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's something with that. And yeah, I sort of like a bit of a Zootopia type thing. Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. You could do this uh, thing to try and address because in Harry Potter – your Patronus can change. Yeah, that was that was my only... Interesting. Actually, no, but also that your Patronuses do talk. Or at least yeah, well, they, they pass on messages. They can be... They don't really speak with their own voice, though. Yeah, they speak with true. your voice. Yeah. They use the voice of the wizard, though, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it doesn't that's count. Fine. doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. Shoot that theory down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, just, I, like I, I only weird... made the rule... I put that rule thing in pretty last minute that the coach says you don't talk to them because yeah. I, I just wanted... I needed him to, like... When Bloodworm, Bloodworm gets through, I needed frills to be like oh shit oh, damn it or something and then the wizard has to be like i need a reason for him to talk to the wizard basically. Yeah, yeah it literally could have been any wizard i went with albus Same just for the dad issue. for yeah. the dad thing if you did basically. like any random wizard you'd get a lot of angry letters from fans yeah hmm. no so i thought albus and albus also wins, albus yeah. dumbledore had a phoenix patronus albus potter has one and, yeah you know, symmetry <laughs> sure yeah so how much of how much of forks is you in this story, is this you? Is this you? Of oh, frills or forks? frills? Or? Sorry. Frills. Oh, I don't know, man. How much do you? Put, I don't know. You put little like people ask that you know when you write stuff, and mm. it's like you put little bits of yourself in yeah. every two characters. Yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. much every. Well, maybe not all of them, but like I don't know. Bloodworm. Oh, Bloodworm. Bloodworm. Obviously, um, I think that's because, that's far worse for me considering the characters I had in my yeah. Harry Potter pitch. 
right. You can't get away scot free. Like, yeah, Bob is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, you got these adorable you know, They're good hearted. And I was going, Muscle Burr. Forgot about that, dude. I like Frills. He's pretty good. I like Bob. Yeah. I like, um, I, I hadn't thought of this until you asked me, mm. but the only distinguishable one that I can pick out is the random facts one. Yeah. yeah. I just love that shit. Yeah. So <laughs> I just put that in the bob. I didn't is that what to... you were like as a kid? You just ra- spat out random facts? Yeah. Just, yeah. I, like, I like just weird random trivia. Yeah. No, know? I like that. Uh, and I like the dead flamingos where we're like, oh, shit, is Bob actually dead? Cause, yeah. I thought, yeah. I mean, I was ready to jump over this table and smack you if that was the case, but <laughs> that would be I'm glad I didn't have to do that. That would be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think he was dead, Alice? Yeah, I thought you yeah, cool. would kill him. Like, yeah. You're pretty heartless, It, it was, yeah. 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 Hey, I was what? like, wow, I can't believe you killed him. I was just yeah. kind of horrified at the idea of seeing like a field of dead birds. Like that just, ugh. Yeah, but then they start moving. Like he looks at them for a minute. Oh yeah, that's like, way better. I mean, and then like, so they're fine. all like, grotesque yeah. and like they got arrows. Are they kind of like zombie swords. birds as well? Uh, oh, oh, zombie birds. Mm-hmm. What when he looks at them? Yeah, yeah. No, I think they're just like. See, I, I like frills. Like Bob's asleep, sort of like he's faking that he's dead to mm. get out of fighting. So yeah, he kind of just looks <laughs> dead. Like yeah. they already look dead. They already look dead. Yeah. So yeah. like, imagine the ones that are like scampering off. They're like their their limbs are probably all twisted. Right. And they've got like a sword sticking out of them. None of that is calming. And they're just what? But it's like picks up settle me down. So <laughs> what? Cute dead flamingos. Like my problem was seeing a field full of dead birds. You're like, no, no, they're moving, and they've got like swords <laughs> in them and shit. Don't worry. No, but it's still it's still like a fear. Yeah, yeah. He's still a bogart. He looks at him. It's just his greatest fear is that his best friend is dead. Yeah. So he says, I, earlier he says, I wish you looked like a flamingo, yeah, for instance, yeah. and now he sees a dead flamingo. Mm. It would be fear. horrifying me and children everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. One of the dragons that I imagine Coach Dingus was fighting against is probably Elliot from Pete's Dragon. <laughs> and I hope like he gets his head cut off. Oh, you're a bad person. You're a bad person with a lot of heart, but you're a bad person. Just, just casually kill Pete's Dragon. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a few deaths in this for, uh, <laughs> for a kid's yeah. film. I think yeah. you kill more people in yours than I did in mine. <laughs> I mean, you curb stomped someone. Curb stomped the little I can't pine pine martin pine, pine martin. martin. Such an insignificant animal. I can't remember the name. of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've never heard of a pine martin before. Neither Why have I. Why would she pick one? Like, how many different animals are there in the Patronus quiz? I think there's a lot. Like, yeah, yeah, I think deep someone into just the, went through like an encyclopedia and was like, "How animal, deep into the animal, encyclopedia animal. did she go?" Right, like, if you're choosing Pine Martin, you geez. think you've exhausted a lot of other options. If the, in a world where Pine Martins exist and I get a magpie, <laughs> magpies just stock standard. It's no frills. It's no frills. Ooh. Mm. Oh, well, I have to say, Pixar, who I know, I know they listen to this, so mm. please, mm. please make this film. <laughs> I would love to watch this movie. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I just didn't mean to laugh. I'm laughing at Damo's opinion. <laughs> ah, good. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs> well, that does our Harry Potter month plus one week. I am just phew, so much Potter in my life. So much fun. Oh, yeah. I like that you brought us back up to round it out, Connie. That was very kind of you. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if you are a bit of a heartless monster who doesn't like Peach Dragon for some reason, but can somehow pitch a story with that much heart. But fine, whatever. The only heart I have goes on the page, mate. You're a complicated man, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, such a fucking bloodworm. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I've been Sean. I've been Damien. I've been Tom. I've been Elise. 
And uh, if you have any other ideas about Harry Potter or want to comment on our Harry Potter pictures or get in touch with us, you can do so at sanspantsradio at gmail.com or on Facebook, or you can reach us on Twitter at sanspantsradio. Or personally, you can hound us and harass us. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Tom Edgus. And I'm at, at Elise. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. It's like a spell that like, is a, an exit spell. <laughs> yeah. What's that one? Oh, should we should have oh, we fucked up, guys. We should have been like Knox. <laughs> if you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.